2-2. It's hit shortly past the diving Kino and down the right field line. From Last Out Media Studios, this is In the Zone with Jeremy Dove and Jose Ruiz. Welcome to In the Zone with Jeremy and Jose. I'm Jeremy Dove. I'm joined by my co-host, my tag team partner, the man, the myth, the legend, the hardest working man in show business, Mr. Jose Ruiz. What's going on? Jeremy, what's going on, my brother? How you doing? I'm doing really good, man, because this is a... A milestone for In the Zone with Jeremy and Jose. This is for a new frontier, a new era for our podcast. Yeah, some exciting news. Some definitely exciting news. Um, you know, we've been keeping this in for a couple of weeks now, uh, but I'll let you go ahead and, and do that. <laughs> well, In the Zone with Jeremy and Jose is now affiliated with Last Out Media. So. <laughs> <laughs> we got a big shout out from our producer John over there. So. Welcome, fellas. Glad you're here recording with us tonight. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. There you go. This is big, man. This is huge. We're in a studio. Yeah. No, this is awesome, man. And again, we're back to doing it face to face. You know, we we went we went close to a year without mm-hmm. doing it face to face, and you know that that's too long, man. It's been too long. So it's definitely going to add an extra like excitement to that yeah so it's a lot of big things happening for us and we're happy proud we've you know put in a lot of work this past year and some change and um you know we're grateful for all those who are listeners and coming over with us and definitely looking forward to welcoming a lot of new listeners to the show yeah we can't wait man the bigger we can get the bigger we can get right like and it's 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 super exciting i cannot wait this show today i'm super excited about as well um, you know, we've been talking about this for some time now, so yeah, I, I can't wait to get to it. Absolutely. And Jose, we're looking at Yankees A's 2001 ALDS game three, otherwise known as the flip game, AKA the flip game. You know, That's this right. is, this is a big one, man. Cause I think I'm going to make a statement here. not to be a hot take. I'm not that guy just because we're with Last Out Media. Don't don't yeah, think I'm changing. That. Yeah, that's Don't not, think that's I'm changing. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You think we're all a bunch of hot take artists over here? <laughs> I'm just saying we're keeping it real. We're keeping it real to ourselves. You know, we're being us. Yeah. But I think this might be the most, this series, the most important series in baseball since the year 2000. This is a real game changer to me as far as just, you can kind of see with the 2001 ALDS what comes from this series and then like what comes afterwards, like the changing of the guard and how we look at baseball and how baseball is broken down and how players are analyzed. To me, it kind of comes from this series right here. Absolutely. Cause you know, the winner of this series, obviously we all know, you know, the Yankees won this series, but you know, what I was looking at is if it was the opposite, you know, if the A's win this series and we've had this conversation plenty of times, it's like, you know, say the A's win this series and say they win the world series. Do you blow? You still blow that team up? I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know that that would have been, I think, an even tougher decision for A's management. But yeah, this series, man, points out a lot. You know, people always think, well, it's like, 
you know, the, the big market team versus the little market team. But I don't think this series was that. No, no. I think this series was really um, and we, we're going to start talking about the Yankees and that dynasty because I think it really showed, you know, rewatching this game, especially in game three, the greatness of that Yankee dynasty. And Jose, to me, like growing up watching this dynasty and we just went through last, you know, spring with the last dance. And I won't say they were on Jordan and the Bulls level in the late 90s. No. Nah. But I think they were a step below. This was a popular team. And they were the evil empire. And to me, they brought that Yankee brand back because you get to like the early 90s and, you know, the Yankees are really a dead franchise. Yeah. Growing up, the Yankees were terrible. You know, when I was growing up anyway. And, and we're talking about, you know, early 90s. You know, late 80s, early 90s, until this 96 team when that that run started. So, yeah, I can remember growing up and the Yankees, all they had was Don Manley, you mm-hmm. know, and that was it. So this team here, and it's and it's funny because you, you, you call them the evil empire, and it, it turned into that. But at first, that 96 team, people loved that team. Yeah. And, and it was, I think, what you were just talking about, like them bringing the Yankees back. That's a big deal. And because to me, for like, so for young people listening, they're probably like, the Yankees are always, they're that franchise. And historically, they are. Yeah. But there was a down period. And to me, I feel like, and Jose, I could be wrong, but I want to know what you think. They don't get that kind of love outside of New York, like that era of team. Like, I feel like people still kind of like wax romantically about like the Mickey Mantle and DiMaggio. But to me, like this team deserves that as well. Oh, absolutely. You know, this team had tons of success and not only tons of success, but it was it was like homegrown success. And we've had this conversations hundreds of times on this show. Like, what would you rather have like that home, that young, hungry, homegrown team or that team that you can just build through free agency and just dominate like that? Either way, you want to win. So as a fan, I'm going to take either way. But for me, it's, you know, these kids coming through the farm system, developing, becoming pretty good, becoming all-stars, and obviously some, for some of them becoming Hall of Famers. And that's, I think every fan will want that. Absolutely. But this team was the epitome of that. You know, they had a bunch of guys come up early, you know, in the early 90s, mid-90s, I mean, and they just developed and developed developed into to, to amazing players. And it's crazy to me because baseball, we haven't had a repeat champion since then. I, do you call this what the Giants did? Do you call them a dynasty? Like, uh, you know, like, I don't know. to me, the last true dynasty, like, no one will dispute that, was 96 Absolutely. to 01, that Yankee team in baseball. And it just kind of feels odd to me. Like, it just seems like you hear Jeter's name mm-hmm. and everybody else kind of, they don't get that love. And I don't, I don't understand it really, you know? Yeah, I don't either because they had they had some great players, especially on this team. This team was was loaded too, and and this wasn't that free agency thing that you see now. What they do and that they're able to do, you know, I, I guess as a Philly fan, and we sort of, you know, the Phillies sort of do that, but you know, I'm jealous. You know what I mean? And I guess that's what comes with that, you know, that Yankees organization, all that hate because people just want to be. They, they wish their teams were that way, right? But. This team has some good young players. Yes, yeah, so Ariano, Jeter, Bernie Williams, Posada, like all these guys came through the system. So I, I respect that. You know what I mean? And then they were sprinkled in with some veterans, some really good veterans. You got to respect that, man. Absolutely. And to me, I kind of, you look at it and we talked about it, check our archives. Check them. When we look, broke down the, the long gone summer of 30 for 30 and how 
you know, baseball, a lot of people are really trying to distance themselves from the steroid era in that summer of 98. But you look at it, this 96 to 01 run, the 98 Yankees, many people consider them the greatest team in the modern era. And I feel like if I'm baseball, I want to embrace that. Like, look, like same with like the whole King Griffey Jr. thing. Yeah. Like, okay, there were some dark times in the 90s and early 2000s, but there's some positive lights here. You know, Griffey, the 98 Yankees, maybe the greatest team ever happened that summer and like nothing. Crickets. Yeah, you don't really hear about this team at, at all outside of, New, like you said, outside of New York. And, and it's a shame because, again, some of these players are going to be, not some, at least Jeter, Mariano, Rivera, these are like all-time greats, you know, yeah. and but you just don't, they're not sexy enough, I guess. I don't know. Outside like, of Jeter. Well, I don't do, I'm not doing that. I'm just saying. I mean, <laughs> as far as like, he gets the name appeal. I know oh, what you mean. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Get your I, mind out the gutter, man. Yeah, I didn't know where you were going with that. <laughs> no, I meant like, he has the appeal. Jeter's. Definitely, yeah. For better or worse, he's an, he's an iconic name and I get oh, yeah. why, but I'm a, like I said, not because we were last out media in our first show with them, but I'm going to make a statement here. And I think Derek Jeter. Don't do it. First ballot Hall of Famer. But uh, you look at this team and like the core four, I think they should call the core five. Cause I think Bernie, th- this all starts with Bernie Williams. That's my guy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Puerto- I got to show it off for the Puerto Rican players. Yes. Bernie's the man. Yeah. But I feel like, like I'm going to reference the last dance again. Derek Jeter is Scotty Pippen. But he gets like Michael Jordan love. And don't get me wrong, I think check our archives on the last dance. Scotty Pippen's a great player and people don't give him the respect. So I think Jeter's a great Hall of Famer, but he gets love like he's MJ. And Jeter to me was never this you can argue and people have that in this run, he wasn't the best everyday player. Like you look at certain points like Bernie Williams, you know. Like, so that's why it's like it's just funny to me that there's so much to this team, and really, you just kind of hear about Derek Jeter, and we know why. He's he's iconic. He's got the flash. He had the looks and all that. But I mean, I'm gonna call him the core five. I'm not gonna say core four. I'm putting Bernie in there. Yeah, I would but, put Bernie. In there. You know, Bernie, and then you have Mariano Rivera, the greatest closer ever. Jorge Posada, Andy Pettit, Jeter. That to me, like you know, that's pun intended. The core of this great Yankee dynasty. So let me let me get this straight. I just want to read some stuff off to you. Mm-hmm. Um. So, 96 Rookie of the Year, right? Five-time World Series champ. Yeah. Five-time Silver Slugger. Mind you, and this is an era with, you know, you got Nomar playing shortstop. You got A-Rod was playing some shortstop and then moved over. Then you got Tejada, what we can get into later today. Like, there was, the AL had, that shortstop position was stacked. 14-time All-Star, five-time Gold Glove winner, where people always consider he was, like, not the best defensive shortstop. And then World Series MVP, obviously. Like, that's... That's big time. He he's a great player. You know what I mean? He has I'm not saying he's not a great player. So there's no like yeah. Jeter stinks, none of that for me. Um he he's kind of and we talked about it with other people. It's the fun part about doing a show like this because mm-hmm. there's it's not to me cut or dry of where he ranks because it's a team game and he you know and we're going to get into it when we get to this play that kind of that really personifies him in a way like He's the intangible guy. He does those little things that you can't put in a box score necessarily. So, and I don't take that for granted. I love that about him. I love that about anybody in in sports. Like, it's those things that you can't just see on a stat sheet. That's what makes it great. But I do feel he was on a loaded team. Yeah. He was very protected. And he never, I don't know if Derek Jeter's on another team, if he's going to carry the load, if he's that guy who can really, you know, 
be around and carry it. Like you look in that run, I don't know if Derek Jeter is a better hitter than Bernie Williams. You know, oh, I think for his career, Derek Jeter yeah. accumulated, but in that that main dynasty run, you know, there's some other guys on that team. Tino was a big bat. Yeah, he was a great player. You know, so like it, it, we're not even sure of like, and we know the best player overall probably is Rivera. Yeah, you know he's the best player on that team, but he's the closer. But but I'm an everyday player, I'll everyday player. I don't know if he's the guy necessarily. He's one of them. He's yeah. up there. I don't know if he's number one. It's tough, you know. It's tough because his career. You know what? What it reminds me of almost, and and this player is an all time great player, basketball player too. It's almost like it reminds me a little bit of like Tim Duncan. Like Tim Duncan to me is the best power forward of all time. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying Jeter's the best shortstop of all time, but it's just. The way Duncan goes about his business, I feel like the same way Jeter does too. And it's like they do so many things that are so good that there's not one thing you can point out to say, oh, he's the best, he's the greatest at this and this and that. Like Duncan was a great rebounder, great, he can do it all. But it was more like if you got guys like Halajuan at that time where he had like better inside moves maybe, you know. But again, Jeter did all these things so well. Compared to like maybe like an A Rod at the time, where A Rod was a better home run hitter, maybe better defensively. You know, uh, Nomar was. I think Jeter was better than Nomar, and that turned out to to play. Out I think the way overall he was. he was like a career. I think there was a time though. I I like oh, Nomar. They were, they were neck and yeah. neck. All three of them were mm-hmm. neck and neck. It was a good time. It was a time where I thought Jeter was third. Oh, yeah, without a doubt, of the three of them. Yeah. And so that's where I'm like. You know, yeah, ooh. especially at the, like the 97, 98 seasons, those seasons, yeah, like that. It was a good. You had an argument on each one. Yeah, for sure, and it was fun. It was fun to see it, but you know, I I just don't know like if Jeter was the guy, and I think that's where it's such a thing of like because Duncan doesn't have that stardom, and to me, yeah. Duncan was the guy. He yeah, was absolutely. the man that made where we weren't always sure if Jeter was the guy as far as like who made who. You know, pitcher, opposing pitchers feared the most. Was it always Derek Jeter? I don't know if that's the case. Yeah, uh, fear, I don't think. You know what I mean? Like, is there There was ways to get him out. Like, he was a good hitter. He hit, like, 3,500 hits. That's a lot. That's you a know lot. What I mean? like, he played then, a while, too, though. He did. He did. But there was, a, I can compare him to, like, Kyle Rifkin. And Kyle Rifkin didn't have that many hits. He had more home runs than RBIs. But that's that's a different story. Um, But I agree. Like, I don't think teams went into the game, pitchers went into the game fearing Derek Jeter. He was a good, he'd get on base. He did a few things. He did a few things in this game for sure. Um, But I I get, I get your argument. Yeah. Let me just ask you real quick. Who would you take, Jeter or Cal? I'll take Jeter. I'm not the biggest Cal Ripken fan. Me, we've talked off air (laughs) before. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the, I think Cal Ripken's. He's a good player. He's a great player. He's more overrated than Derek Jeter is. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) And I don't think Jeter is not going to say he's overrated, but it's hard. It's 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 up in the air. But Cal, yeah, I, I would take Jeter too. Yeah, I would. I, I just, uh, but it's it's tough. Like I, that was the first comparison I can think of because I think A. Ross separated himself from Jeter, even Way though, better. yeah, even though like the steroids and all that came into play. I think A. Rod overall was was a better player. Yeah, A. Rod was better. But I think Jeter also separated himself from like guys like Nomar and you know at the time Kyle Ripken was older, but. You know, he was in the league. I think he separated him from Tejada, same difference. Like, they just also, he separated. It was him and A-Rod, and I think A-Rod just was a couple levels better. So why do you think, though, that this team isn't talked about more? I don't know. That's a great question, man, because at this time also, like, you had guys 
hitting 50 home runs, driving 140, they had a, you know, had 140 RBIs. They never really had, not this team, didn't really have that guy. No. You know, they were, it was just a lot of really good players, a lot of good hitters, guys hitting 275, 22 home runs, 80 RBIs. Like, it was just, it, it was very consistent throughout the lineup. Um, they worked pitchers, you know, they they were good base runners. This team right here led the league, American League in steals. Like, it, they were just a good team. And I just don't, they didn't have that. They had the star power. They had the Jeter. They had the Riveras. But it, it was, like, different. You know what I mean? Like, compared to, you know, we can look at other teams. Like, even, like, the Diamondbacks, who are going to play in the World Series. You got Randy Johnson, Kirk Schilling. Like, that, that's, like, star power Like that people are going to remember. On this team, we're only going to really remember is Jeter and, and, and Rivera. And I think that's a shame because, and don't get me wrong, as a fan, I liked the Indians of the 90s and that big bat. Oh. These A's teams had big bats and stuff like that. We'll get to that. You know? But I think if I look at a team that, like, played, like, that right way, I think of these Yankee teams, in my opinion. And I think we talked about, check our archives, Checking. on the 90s Braves, um, this Yankees team from 96 to 01 did what the 90s Braves were trying to do, which is should have done. Yeah, which is, you know, great pitching and timely hitting, clutch hitting. They they always have to have the big bats, but they could get the hits when they needed to. Yeah. And the Braves didn't have that as far as hitting. And even clutch pitching in a lot of ways too. Yeah. The Braves in the 90s didn't have that, but these Yankees kind of did it and did it better. And I think if I'm looking at a team in modern times who I'm looking at like Oh yeah, kids, watch how this team plays. It's these guys. Yeah, exactly. They they play the game right. They were they were still fun to watch. Like I said, like not only you just mentioned everything, like they can get the hits, but they were stealing bases defensively. They were pretty good because you had Posada was a good defensive mm-hmm. catcher up the middle. They were good. Like and that's exactly what you need. It's like an old adage, but it's the it's a hundred percent true. Yeah, the catcher Jeter was that shortstop. He's a good defender. This team had Soriano was decent. And then you had Gold Glove in center field with Bernie Williams. Yeah. Like it, it was just Tino was a good first baseman. You had um Scott Broches on third. He had just won the Gold Glove in ninety-nine. So this this team was defensively, you're not beating them. They're not beating themselves. You know, so not only they're not beating themselves, but they get timely hits. They manufacture runs. And this is all that old school baseball shit that mm-hmm. we talk about that nowadays it doesn't really apply, but And it this, comes into play here. Exactly. Big time. It's across. And I honestly think to me it's surprising. And I think as a fan, it we should talk about it more. And there's some books, you know, the Core Four have a book, the the Tory years uh, that Tom Verducci wrote with Joe Tory, because to me it's fascinating. We we saw what everyone knows but the last dance and like you wanted that, even though I don't think he was a villain, but Jerry Krause, we have it with George Steinbrenner. Yep. And every year, even though this they're a, they're a dynasty, you know, we're going into 2001 playoffs here, four titles in five years, and Brian Cashman as GM, Joe Torrey, their contracts aren't like, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're, they're up at the end of the year, and it's like there's not an extension. And that's the crap, and that's why I think Joe Torrey doesn't, you know, we could say, oh, this was a great lineup, just send him out there. The pressure with the New York media and with Steinbrenner, you got to give Joe Torrey a lot of credit. And that's another piece that is not even talked about either that we haven't even started talking about. Now you got a really good team with a bunch of great players, and now you add on to this great coach. Mm-hmm. Like, and then... That's that's a great, great recipe for success, obviously, because they won four out of five years, right? They won three in a row coming into this series. So it, it's just whatever you need in an organization, 
And I just mean like when it comes to like players management and all that, this team had it, the Yankees had it. And I guess that's what a lot of like that Yankee hate and all that evil empire stuff comes from. Cause it's just like, man, like not only are they good, but they constantly like they're at this point, they're going to constantly be good. Why? Cause now they can sign free agents. They signed Mucina this year, for like 80 mil, something like that. And now, and now they're bringing up guys like Soriano. So it's just like they, they can kill you both ways. And yeah. it's just, it's hard to watch from opposing fan, but you got to respect it. Like if, I said, fellas, I hate to break in here too, but that is one of the reasons why I hated this entire regime <laughs> yeah. of that. It's just like, I was such an A's fan. I mean, like rooting for the A's to, to bust open something. I, we didn't know who Billy Bean was at this point. Like right. we, didn't, we weren't watching Moneyball and all that other stuff, but it was just that element. You guys explained it. It's this small market team going up against the evil empire that they weren't supposed to be there. And then of course they're going to, raid the Oakland Athletics in about a year or two <laughs> yeah, after this too. Pretty much. Like, I can't tell you how many different franchises I've hated as a sports fan. Duke, North Carolina, the St. Louis Cardinals, the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, oh North Carolina here. This, oh, oh, I hate them all. John, get, get, oh. Get rid of oh. Tobacco Row altogether. Actually, NC State can stay. They can stay. Oh. Wow. Uh, but but uh, I got to say, at least for me, this Yankees run with Jeter and A-Rod and all these guys, probably my, my worst enemies of all time. Wow. So that's how good they like. That's what I remember. Are you guys the same age as, as I am? Or like, are you around the mid, mid to almost pushing 40? Yeah. I guess I should 40, say. Yeah. yeah. Like you guys were, you guys were, what do you remember? Cause what we were in barely even in the high, like finishing high school. I was, like, like, it, mid, I was uh, middle school around this time. Mid, yeah. Yeah. Like so I'm a little younger than you guys. I yeah. just, I just remember hating the Yankees. Is that just me or were you guys in the same boat? No, I hated the Yankees as well then. I think that's, you know, but when we do this show, we got to give props to them, you know, and that's where I look at it. Like, oh, I understand that. It irks me, but I, yeah. that's why I love you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I'll say this. That 96, 97, I didn't really hate the Yankees because I, I, they weren't good for so long that even that team, because that team was built like it was like a lot of older players. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and, Wade Boggs. Wade, and, yeah, like it was a lot of older players and you got Jeter and you had Bernie, like a couple of these young guys about to come up. So it was like, okay, the Yankees are back. They're good. Because to me, they were never there to be back. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. If that makes any sense. So it's like those first couple of years, I was like, all right, like whatever, they're back. Like, But then this continued. And that's why I was like, like they kissed my ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, for me, it was, um, and it's weird because now you look back and you, like for me, I like cherished that time. But even though like the Philly base and like listening to like WIP and stuff, I'm not going to lie, I the thing I did when I got home from school every day, Mike and the Mad Dog, WFAN. So this was constantly going and you constantly heard it. And that thing about like New York gets all the love. I felt that with this right yeah. here, like more because the Knicks didn't get it done. Nope. You know, I felt it right here where it was like they're the greatest thing and all the prestige and blah, 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 blah. And everyone going. And and to me, we got to talk about like and just for a little bit, but like the Steinbrenner thing where this does not happen if he's not suspended for trying to, you know, damage to reputation and career of Dave Winfield. This whole thing doesn't really happen, in my opinion. Yeah. And that's I mean, say what you want about Steinbrenner. Like, I mean, I, I want an owner who's going to try to win. You know what I mean? Like yeah. and, and you got it. I know he did, especially that Dave Winfield stuff. That was, it was dirty. Yeah, he did him dirty. But like 
other than that, like, I mean, there's a few other things, like, <laughs> yeah, but the, the man was trying to win. He you was. know what I mean? Like, and you got to give credit for that. As a fan, that's what I want to know to do. Like, if you got to sign free agents, he's going to spend more to sign free agents. Like, but yeah. Now I'll just say, there. I'll just say this. He's not, you know, when he passed away and to this day, his legacy, and rightfully so, I give it credit. It's there because all the, the championships he, yeah. you know, he won. But, he gave Joe Torre a hard time. He gave Brian Cashman a hard time. And to me, if he doesn't go away for three years and Gene Michael develops, you know, drafts players and they, they don't trade him away like Steinbrenner yeah. had been doing, yeah. his reputation is totally different because he'll he'll be living off of Reggie Jackson and he'll remember him for the whole Billy Martin, you know, hire and fire five time thing. So to me, I, when I see like looking back watching this game and I'm like without like a few men and one, you know, two of them being Joe Torrey and Brian Cashman, your reputation, you're not like, you don't have this reputation. And the Yankee brand isn't back because he went from, you know, when they announced that he got suspended in 1990 for three years, he was banned for three years. He, they gives a standing ovation in Yankee Stadium. They, yeah. So like, it's weird. Like now it's like, I miss an owner like that. Well, in like the heyday, they were happy to see him be banned from baseball. And I don't give him like, all the credit for this team for sure no I'll give him none of it exactly like I, he has nothing to do with this team if anything like you just said he might have blown this team up before it even you know took place you yeah. know like you know somebody like Jeter or Bernie Williams or whoever you know he, he wants to sign free agent want to trade for somebody those are the first guys to go so I agree no so it's it's just crazy and you know I, I think I might have brought it up to you before but you know the f- Tory's first year was 96. Mm-hmm. You know, the year before, the Yankees finally get back to the playoffs. Buck Showalter is the skipper. Mm. And I'm wondering, with Buck Showalter, do you think this is still this Yankee dynasty? Was this destined with anyone as the skipper? With Buck Showalter? Nah, nah. You got to give Joe, um, Joe Torrey a little, a little credit. Okay. That. Even though Buck Showalter got... You talk about the undirty. That's another one there that... <laughs> ugh, that's not a good look. But, no, I think... I'm not saying he wouldn't have won any because he would have, but you got to give Tory a couple of these, not on his own, but like he made some moves and he he's done stuff during, especially like those playoff runs that you got to give him a little more of that credit as well. No. So what? I don't know, man. I, that's one thing I've always thought about is I don't know if Joe Torres is good as that whole dynasty actually was. I think Buck would have won not the same, but, Pretty close. I don't. I don't think Joe Torre is like what did what because maybe you guys can remind me. I can't think of like what is something that Joe Torre did that was significantly better than any other manager that you could have brought in there. I'm going to make a statement here. Like I said, I don't know if it's the <laughs> studio or John's get me fired up or something, but it's a Phil. Ja- I'm not calling him on the level, but it's a Phil Jackson kind of a thing where Phil yeah. was not X's and O's, you know, for the bull. That was Tex winner. But what Joe did. So many people wilted under that pressure, George Steinbrenner. Yeah. And he kept that up. Like we, we talked about four tiles in five years. Still show me something like, you know, it never relented. And he did that to the players. And Joe was a guy who was that in between. The players did not feel the Steinbrenner pressure that so many did before. Like he was, a, yeah. you know, you had that with the New York media and there's personalities here. You know, we do have to look at like, 
in this run of like David Wells was a big personality. Absolutely. And you, you know, you had different guys. Paul O'Neill could be, you know, I loved him. He had the heart, but temperamental and yeah. there's things like that, like different guys on this and trying to make them all mesh, especially when they're winning. Because Jeter becomes the icon, you know, Tino gets some love, Rivera. And so, like, how to keep everyone playing together and not being like, hey, should I be talked about more? How come yeah. he gets that? I think that's impressive. And I don't know to keep that going and to deal with the pressure of Steinbrenner year to year to year, really month to month with yeah. Steinbrenner. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if any of a lot of skippers could stay that long and do well with it. And now, and we talked about this with Phil Jackson. Like, I, I think, like, some people will say, oh, it's easy to coach a really good team. Like, yeah, that's the case. And I know baseball managers, how much are they really doing? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you got to call a pinch runner, a pinch hitter, like, change the pitcher. Like, we'll see this game. Well, yeah. <laughs> but what I, you know what I'm saying. Like, for the majority, you. like, but I think, man, handling good teams like that is hard, man, especially in towns like you just, you know, mentioned Phil Jackson in Chicago and New York, especially for the Yankees. It's, to deflect all that media stuff and to be able to absorb it and just kind of protect protect the players for the most part, um, that that's a tough job, man. You know what I mean? And he did a he did a great job with that. No, absolutely. And we look at it, we go into O one, and it's kind of is like you could tell it was Paul O'Neill's last year. Tino, yeah, like this is that the end of that run. And there's so much that I, you know, honestly, Jose. This 01 season so much, just like a change in the guard in baseball, you know, looking at like it's the last year of Tony Gwynn and Cal Ripken, two I icons. Tony Gwynn. Tony Gwynn was so great. Yeah. But then it's the rookie season for Ichiro and Albert Pujols. So like two other great players come in and feel like a like a trade off there of like yeah. four, you know, Hall of Fame guys. And then we look at the Mariners, you know, we'll get to that. That's why the A's with 102 wins are a wild card. <laughs> Seattle won the most games in regular season baseball history with 116. One, they were 14 games, 14 and a half games behind the Mariners, winning 102 games. It's crazy. But what really did it was, um, in all honesty, we've been talking throughout you know this year and some change that we, we've been doing the podcast, even though it's connecting the past to the present. But what is this time in sports? What's the closest thing to it? And I think we have to look. You know, when 9-11, we're coming up on 20 years of 9-11 this year and how odd sports and it had a different feel watching the games, you know, and I really think that was what was odd. You know, John mentioned it like he's right. So many of you weren't from New York or that Yankee fan, they were hated. But then after what happened in 9-11, the Yankees and that whole city became America's sweethearts. Yeah, and it, it was hard not to root. For those teams, you know, like the, even the Mets, like the yep. Yankees, the Giants came in, you know, they started their season. So not that I was rooting for these teams, but it was hard not to like feel for them and feel for the fans and obviously feel for the city of New York and everything that happened there. So it, it was it was tough to, to bash those teams at this point in time. Yeah. Um, I, know. I don't know. I was still pretty pumped when Luis Gonzalez hit that single. <laughs> 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 All right. No, that's what I I... I ain't gonna lie, I felt for him. I did. Yeah. Young me back then, I kind of felt like I'll be honest, the Diamondbacks I didn't like. Yeah. So we can get to like, you know, I know we're talking about the LDS, but I didn't I I I I didn't like Kurt Schilling when he was here. I'll be honest. <laughs> He's wearing our jersey. I couldn't stand Kurt Schilling. So it was hard to root for him and you know, see him have success there. But um I was rooting for Randy Johnson though. I, I wanted Randy to get a ring. I I did not. I, no? I think Randy's great. 
I just he kind of had that. He was like I don't know the six ten unit like he kind of had like the bad guy, yeah. the big unit. <laughs> like he, he had that 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 he was the bad guy for me. No, I, but he I didn't root for him. No, I, I did. You know, I but the way that team was put together too, I was just like yeah, like. See, I, I'm okay with rooting, like, seeing a team win a couple championships. Like, I, I'm i not, the, like, an underdog type of fan. Like, you know, and I was fine with the Yankees winning another one. Now, again, not that I'm a fan of the Yankees, nothing like that, but I didn't want them to lose to the Diamondbacks. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. the Arizona Diamondbacks. That's like, where I'm at. Yeah, and it's just, it, it, I didn't, again, I didn't feel bad for the Yankees that they lost, but it was just like, damn, I, I didn't want to see that. I, I think there is something that I did feel well, it was weird because I think if they would have lost this series, Oakland's a traditional, like they've been around for a while. The A's have a his, there is something in all these sports where I'm like, I don't, I don't want to see expansion teams like winning titles before like yep. the old guard has won. Like, I, I don't know. I'm that, with you on that one. Yeah. yeah. That bothered me when like the Buccaneers beat us. And then I'm like, that's another team who came out like real late. Yep. They have a title and like in football with the Eagles bothered me. All these teams, yeah, the Panthers were doing well. Yeah, and Jacksonville. Like, I was like, no, I don't like this. Like you're, you're new. Like, now you got like Vegas Golden Knights. They're they have a great team mm-hmm. and they've been in the league for like five years. I'm like, man, get out of here. I with don't that. like it. So that I think you're right. That whole it's like Arizona. It's like do y'all like baseball? Like exactly. You know, it's like the Florida Marlins thing. Like you know what's going to happen? The Marlins get in like once every ten years and they act like they like sports there, and then like throughout the years, like there's like two thousand people. Then the playoffs come in. It's packed in South Florida. I'm like, yeah, oh, I don't like that. Everybody and their grandmom has a shirt on. Yeah, I don't. Nah, whatever. You ain't in it in the trenches. I don't want to see you. No, nah, but I, I'm, I'm. I agree with you on that. Like you know, it again. Randy Johnson was for me. Uh, it was. I like to see somebody dominate, man, and he was definitely dominating this year, and it was just fun to watch, and I was okay with that. No, but a real big thing, though, we're looking at the the Yankees' opponent here for this ALDS, and honestly, they're just as intriguing in their own way as the the Oakland A's, these early 2000 A's here. And talk about a team that with a lot of talent, um, Art Howe as the skipper, there's this guy who now every he's like almost a household name, but yeah. at the time Billy Bean, no one knew who he was, and man, it's just a different time, you know. I'm looking at this squad, and I'm like, man, this is back when like Jason Giambi was cool, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like it was, oh, that's the Giambi that I liked, like that yeah. guy right there, and and you're just seeing, you know, with Tejada and Chavez and Johnny Damon without the hair, Jermaine Die, Jermaine like- Die. Man, I thought he was going to be the next thing. I thought so too. And he was—he had an amazing second half of the season. We'll definitely get into that. But this team, for me, when I was watching them, I was like, "Man, these are the the Braves for the 2000s." You know what I mean? Like that for that decade. I, I agree. I, I thought that's what was coming. You know, they had the three-headed monster, the big three. You know, and Mulder, Zito, and who am I forgetting? Tim Hudson. Tim Hudson. Yeah, and they had those three guys, and then this. This lineup, sheesh, man, like especially this top five, you know, it was almost like an all-star team, man. And it was, again, coming from a small, quote-unquote, small market. And it it was just, I was really happy for them, man, because I I can remember being a little kid and the A's were the shit, you know what I mean, with Canseco, McGuire, Henderson, like, and then they were terrible for a long time, right? Mm -hmm. And this team comes along and, and they're just loaded. Like, they're loaded everywhere, man. It's just a fun team to watch. And they had an amazing season. 
And it's just weird because you're looking at this time and you're kind of just wondering, even like then you're just wondering, well, how long it's almost like they're on a timetable because of the way the game was. And it's like, can they win? And can they win before they, the guys get plucked away? Like, you know, you're kind of like... Because the Yankees were already trying to get Giambi. They it, were already fishing. That's how cold-blooded it was. It yeah. was like, even during the broadcast, they're like, they know they're looking at Jason Giambi for yeah. <laughs> first base. Tino, yep. they're not going to pay him. And I'm like, geez. Like, I'm like, I'm like, it was already like a done deal, it feels like. It's like, come on, man. Yeah, and that's a shame. And that's and that's when, you, again, that hate really started for me when it comes to the Yankees. When they were like, all right, like now you guys are already good. Now we're just you know now you're trying to get all the great players and it's just I I don't like that I can't stand that I do think you're right though like I I maybe I'm wrong let I think that Giambi signing the next year is when it kind of yeah it, it kinda, turned yeah I mean because even this year when they signed Musina they signed him to a huge deal you know and they outbidded everybody else but then this Giambi stuff started and then that's when A Rod came yeah. and then it was it was over with no no but. When you look at this squad, though, who who is that guy that sticks out to you that you're like, man, like he just jumps out like that. He could have been or should have been the guy because I don't really see like Hall of Fame talent, but like Hall of Fame talent. No, I mean, Tejada was was off to a really good start to his career and he had 31 home runs, I think, this year. Like he, he was again, we were talking about A-Rod and Jeter and Nomar and he was that next shortstop come up you know and he he was a really great player and I thought Jermaine like I just said Jermaine died I thought because he had it all mm-hmm. you know you talk about five two players he was that you know he can hit for power average he can run he can feel he can throw you out like it, I thought that was the guy right there I thought that trade was a great trade mid-season I think it was July and then yeah, that just that just turned him around and it just it put him in another level now, how do you feel about that though? They were thirty nine and forty two, a team. Yeah. They won the AL West the year before, lost to the Yankees in two thousand and five games, played them tight, and they had a slow start. Mm-hmm. The pitching, that big three, kind of struggled. And how do you feel about them knowing what was coming in the off season or potentially coming? But they went for it. Yeah, I and at the time I was shocked, you know, because again they signed. Johnny Damon too, or they traded for Damon in mm-hmm. off season, right? So you know they're going for it, like they like they're going to try to get it, and they knew that they needed a little more because that. And you talked about it that first half of the season, it was more of the pitching because their offense was not the problem. No, you know they were putting up a lot of runs, and I think this team set a record for the A's and home runs for that season. Yeah, and we're talking about the Oakland A's, Baker, <laughs> Mark McGuire. We were just talking about in the eighties, brothers. Yeah, like you you beat those records. That's saying something, and you knew that pitching was going to come around. And and it came around like yeah. these guys. Molder had it. He was like the pitcher of the month for July, and Zito was lights out for August and September. He had an amazing second half. But do you give Billy Bean credit because a lot of times people Absolutely. would say, at that point, you're below. They're underperforming. You got to worry about these big market teams poaching you. Do you like try to trade off those assets mm-hmm. and try to like all right look forward? toward 2002 but he doubled down yeah I give him a lot of credit and like I, like I said I remember when they made the trade and I was like because you start to hear that like all right oh, Giambi may not come back you know they're not going to sign him to that big deal they're going to get rid of him Damon you know they're going to get rid of him like and when they traded for die I was like wow like they're they're going for it man and they just completed that team 
with this great outfielder, man. And and I was I was shocked, but you got to give Billy Bean tons of credit for that yeah. trade. And it's 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 smart because then you put Die right behind that big bat, the reigning AL MVP in Giambi, and you can't avoid Giambi. You got to no. pitch to him, and Giambi was. At that point, who he was, he was the dominant. Yeah. You're looking at a guy with 40-something home runs or 140 RBIs yearly at that point, and then you have to pitch to this guy. It, it was something else. And for this team to kind of really have the best second half, the most dominant second half in baseball history. History. When we're talking about baseball, man, like, is, this isn't yeah. like MLS history. Like <laughs> This is baseball history where it, it's that's saying something, man. And they had it. They had, and especially Jermaine Dye had, a, had like 59 RBIs in the second half. He he was lights out, man. He was so good. But that that run, that their run again, plus the pitching, they, there was no way this team should have lost. No, I agree. Uh, I got a random question for you though about this. Do you think baseball is hard to get like executives into the Hall of Fame? Hmm. Billy Bean doesn't have a championship, but we know. And we'll get to that more in detail about the money ball stuff and how the yeah. game has changed in evaluating players. Do you think Billy Bean should be in the Hall of Fame? Oof. With no championship, it's tough. It's tough. But you know, I'm big on like legacy and mm-hmm. what he brought to the to the table. And we'll t- we'll get to this, but he changed baseball. You know, and for the for better or worse, for me, I don't know. Like that's <laughs> that's debatable. But you know. What he did after this, I mean, he built this team as well. But what he did after this, I mean, it, it's it's debatable. I don't know. It's it's tough. Like I, I don't to be honest. I I would say no with no championship, but it, it's tough. He's got a case. It's something else because there's only there's like I don't know. If there's even I think there's under ten like exact like GM executives in the Hall of Fame, and none of them have no rings. They all yeah. got rings, so that's why it's it's. But I just kind of wonder. I think that's a a debate we. People should. I don't know if they're already having it, but people should start wanting because, like we, we that's what we do on this show. Legacy is important. How yeah. you change the game should not be undermined just because maybe you didn't win as much necessarily. So, and I you, got a weird take or question, I guess, based on that. I think Billy Bean is simultaneously changed and ruined the game at the same time. So I honestly believe he definitely belongs. Like, there's no question he belongs in the Hall of Fame. The shift. Where everything is at now, launch angle, exactly. walking, right. stop stealing, the big power game's pretty much out for the most part. I mean, like that's that's all the game is is home runs and strikeouts now. But like yeah. the reason why they're all the you know the reason why the Cubs broke the World Series open and finally eliminated that curse. The reason why Boston did it is because of Billy Bean. It's because of. You know, all the uh, uh, I can't even remember the guy's name. Uh, Bill James. Bill James. Yeah. Like now, like I think Bill James today is a lunatic and the game's passed him by, but he's still the the grandfather of just like Billy Bean is the grandfather of. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame, but I also think he deserves the utmost credit for ruining the game, which is where we're in now. I don't know about you guys, but even experiencing 01 in this whole era. I cannot watch baseball the same today, and it's no longer the same anymore because of Billy Bean. That's my take. And not only that, because I agree, I hate I, baseball, and we've talked about it plenty of times on this show, was my first love. Yeah. That was the sport where I grew up playing. I played for like 20 years, like, and that was, everybody played baseball, right, in my neighborhood. And 
even today, like free agents who think they're going to get these huge deals. It's like, no, like GMs are figuring out that they don't have to pay these guys. They can pay a couple. They can pay two left fielders to get the same production as the one left fielder. And it's going to cost them like 40 million a year less. Like, I, I agree. I, I I hate I don't hate the game of baseball. I love baseball still. It's just it's hard to watch. See, I just think. um we who do we really blame though? I I think I don't blame Billy Bean because I think he dealt with what he had to do to win to survive. Oh, absolutely, you know. But I look at it. I just, blame Jonah Hill, <laughs> <laughs> who should have won an Oscar too. <laughs> but um, I I just look at it as with everything because we can look at it in all sports. I you know fantasy football to me in some ways has kind of in, in this you know analyst has hurt football basketball even we've seen it. I just think. It's smart for the game. It's smart when you're in that spot. Definitely. But as a fan, like you have to look at it like, yeah, it's not as interesting. You know, it's not just looking at and I think I think shame on baseball especially. Yeah. Because we'll look at like to me, like and you mentioned, I'm glad you did, Jonah Hill in the movie Moneyball. And there are some differences with the you know, the book and the mm-hmm. movie and stuff. But and no I liked Johnny Damon. Like I liked him as a player. I thought he was a good guy. He seemed like and like he's a fun personality. But I think in that movie he's right when he's talking to Brad Pitt, who's playing Billy Bean. You know, Johnny Damon's not worth seven million dollars a year. Yeah. But by the old traditional standard, he was. Yep. But when you look at it, it's like, yeah, let Johnny Damon go. Like it's like let him go. But by the old way, it's like he gets stolen bases. But it's like, nah, you don't need Johnny Damon for no seven mil a year. You're like let Boston pay that money and waste it. Like you don't need this guy. And I think that's the thing. Shame on baseball for not looking at what is it about. It's about getting on base, getting runs and wins. And we're enamored with that old school way sometimes of. You know, uh, he's got confidence and, you know, he's got an ugly girlfriend, so he got no confidence and he, yeah. I don't trust him. Like those dumb, like weird things that you're like, huh? And it's like what happens, though, is what Bill Belichick said in that documentary with Belichick and Saban. Now you have guys who don't know the game feel like they can just hop into these pro sports. They know analytics well. And now they're acting. They're telling guys who spent years in the game you don't know what you're talking about. And I think that's not baseball's fault. It's society. Yeah. And and that's a big deal to me because there's still something to the eye test, mm-hmm. you know, and, and for me. And it's like, you know, we just had the NFL draft recently. And, you know, I think it's important when guys play at a big school like Alabama, Clemson, all of these schools like that, and they have a lot of success. To me, that's that matters. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, and to me, that's the eye test to me. Like, it's like. You know, I, I've seen this guy play in the biggest games and do very well. Why? Because th- most of those guys are going to the NFL as well. Mm-hmm. And when you get a team, or I'll keep it on college football, like you'll get a team that's like BYU, let's just say, right? And then they'll play in Ohio State and not do well. To me, that's some, like that says something. You know what I'm saying? Like if there's a quarterback who's, you know, going to be drafted and doesn't play well against big schools like that, I just think he's not, he may not be ready to handle the NFL. Like I, and I think that's that's being lost. Like I, for me, that's being lost big time when it comes to sports. Yeah, and, and what I w- will say that I like, I can give you the two big things that I like and dislike about the way it, I think. I like that it gives guys who didn't jump out to you, like in in the Moneyball in the book Moneyball that, that Michael Lewis wrote. I liked Kevin Euclid. 
as a player. I, I'm not saying he was the greatest, but I like. I thought he was a good player. I think by the old way of looking at it, you, you don't. He was a scrub. Yeah, you don't notice Kevin Euclid. You don't notice what he brings. But when you looked at it through like the analytics, like oh, you see, like no, he's a, a valued member of this team. Like he's important to it. And I think that's what it did. Guys who maybe got overlooked got more attention, which I think was cool. Now, what it did and what I see when it's just looking at it presently or when people look at it in the past, guys who are great players, people are breaking down like, well, their war is low, yeah. so they're not as good. And I'm like... He's only hitting 330 with 46 home runs yeah. and 115 RBIs, but his war is pretty low. Like, come on, like, man. Like, yeah. And it, it, even one of these, even their fifth batter, Jeremy Jami, what does Jeremy Jami do? Well... Get on base. He gets on base, and it's like... If he was playing in like 92, 93, he probably was. He's a bench player. Yeah, he, if that, if you know. That. So it, it changed, man. And like I said, some people love it. Uh, from somebody like me, I, I'm not the biggest fan of it. Well, and I think I said it in the past episode, so forgive me. But like when I see like certain people like Bill James and like they're ranking like greatest players of the 90s and Craig Biggio is number two behind Bonds. And yeah. I'm like – you can't tell me, I don't care what stat, that Craig Biggio in the decade of the 90s was better than King Griffey Jr. No, absolutely not. Like, I don't care what you're throwing at me. Like, you can't, you're not, and that's where the eye test, like you said, comes into play. I watch both of them. Yeah. I like Craig Biggio. I'm glad he got into the Hall of Fame. I liked him. He's not better than King Griffey Jr. No. Like, no, no. Especially in that era, in that time frame, 90s to 2000, that doesn't come anywhere near him. But yeah. Those analytics will come out and say he's the second best player of the decade. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I stopped getting into baseball arguments, especially like on social media and all that. I just, I stopped because it's yeah. like they start hitting me with all these stats and I, I just back off. Like, all right, you got it. <laughs> like, Which is, I don't have time for that. It's weird because baseball to me before all this was always like the most stat driven yeah. of the sport. So I'm just like, people act like it wasn't a stat driven game before like so like we know the stats but then like now like like I, yeah i don't know like the all-time leader in ops is like all-time leaders in home runs and strikeouts and you know all those things hits like i can give you that yeah. you know uh batting average rbis but like who's the all-time with war i'm you got me i don't yeah, know you lost me there yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna walk away from this conversation yeah i, I gotta look that up <laughs> like, i gotta look it up like i can tell you how many home runs he got but I don't know, like exactly. I, I can't stand it, man. So uh, again, I'm not a big fan of like Moneyball and all this stuff, but I understand how some of these small markets had to come up with ways to compete with the Yankees, Red Sox, some years the Phillies, but for the most part, those powerhouses. Yeah, because it it it's just weird because it was a great time, but it did suck in a way. Seeing small market teams get their guys plucked, and you're just like, well, who's going to get them? Boston or, yeah. or New York? Which one? So like, it, it it was crappy, but like, it still was like an exciting time in the game, and it was fun to watch. And and you know, I think uh, the these A's teams, we kind of look at it. You know, we're not doing that for this episode, but you know. You got to wonder, did they underachieve or overachieve in this time? And this is something else that you know we've talked about it plenty of times. Like, what ifs, mm -hmm. right? And this is a what if that I forget about. Like, what if this team would have stayed together? What what was what could have happened? You know, they had the pitching. They had the lineup. You know, they had a decent bullpen. Now we're looking at coach. Like, eh, like mm -hmm. that can be talked. We're definitely going to get into that. But that's maybe where this, especially this series, this game, that's maybe where separation came in. Yeah. So we, we you know, we look at, you know, game three, 0-1, 
uh, I think it was October 13th, 2001. And it's just crazy because during the rewatching this, the, the broadcast, they're talking about the cleanup crew going through the rubble at the World Trade Center. So we're yeah. still, you know, really, it's a month after 9-11. It's still fresh on everyone's minds, just what's going on. And you feel that throughout, you know, just rewatching this game. So I wanted to ask you, you talked you talk about the broadcast. What broadcast, when you rewatched it, what, was it Fox? Yeah, it became. It started off with uh, yeah. Michael Kay and John Sterling, who I used to grow up listening to John Sterling on WFA, like the New York. So I know that. But then it went to Fox. Yeah. Can I say something real quick? Sidebar. Yeah. Steve Lyons. Yeah. Oh, man, I can't stand that dude, man. Like, and he was in this game. He was killing me, man. Like he was. Cause, I mean, the one I, th- I one part I do like. He's like kind of honest, mm-hmm. you know, and like when it comes to like criticism, he'll like say it on the air. And again, this is on Fox, so it's just like a nationally televised game. But, oh man, I remember Jeter got hit, when, you know, he got hit in his game on the hand and he was like saying that Jeter was being lazy and like not yeah. trying to get away from the pitch. Like this dude just got hit in his hand. Like, yeah, shut up, man. Steve like, Lyons, because when Fox had like first got baseball and had like the Saturday game of the week, they had like a pregame show. And and to me, he was a funny personality there. In yeah. that regard, he was okay. I didn't like him in the booth. And you're right. Like he he would be honest. He did seem like he, seemed like he was comfortable. Like, oh, yeah. Like, and he was too <laughs> comfortable as we saw later on. <laughs> a little too comfortable. Well, obviously, yeah. both guys we've seen in history have shown they, they get a little too comfortable with the mics on and, uh, yeah. you know. Both got canceled, you know. Uh, hey, yeah. So uh, both guys, but yeah, I, it was interesting hearing hearing the the, the broadcast and kind of surprised uh, it wasn't a Joe Buck Tim McCarver. Yeah, you know. I don't know if they were doing any of the other games. I know the Cardinals were playing earlier in that, which might have been where they were. Yeah, Joe Buck was like, "I'm, I'm doing the Cardinals." And McCarver, you know, he played there yeah. too because I'm like, this is like, wouldn't you want to be? I what I thought wouldn't that get the A crew like. Saturday night, I remember it was a Saturday yeah, night game. Prime time, yeah. You know, um, this dynasty could be dethroned that night potentially by this young up and coming team, right? I don't know. So that's why Somebody I was, got talked to Fox exactly. I know, I know. So I was, I was, I was surprised that it wasn't uh, Buck and McCarver, but no. Um, we look at the starting pitchers for the teams. So we got for Oakland, young Barry Zito. Who was dominating yes. the second half of the season, man? I, I got some numbers, but go ahead. And and on the other side, who also was dominating second half? Oh yeah, the future Hall of Famer Mike Mussina. Yeah, he 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 had another dominant stretch there too. I know. So Zito's last thirteen games, he was eleven and one with a one point three two ERA. Damn, <laughs> like that's that's nasty, man. So again, he won Pitcher of the Year September. I mean August September. And he was he was he was lights out. I mean, he started off six and seven, so it's like you may think like he won twenty something games. No, like he was struggling in the beginning of the season. But yeah, the second half, and this is and this is the picture you wanted on the mound. Mm-hmm. You know, the way they set up that rotation was perfect. And then he was, you know, he had revenge on his mind from the year before losing to the Yankees in Game Five. So it, it was it was all set up for the A's. And it was interesting because in the broadcast they talked about it. And they were like, he said, Barry Zito said it all changed when he talked to his father. Yeah. And his father said, what's going on with you? I don't know what you're doing out there. You're not pitching right. Something's wrong. 
And I'm like, that's the quote. That's the story. <laughs> I'm like, I, I think they could say it was just inspirational. Like you could do anything. I'm like, oh, that's it. And they're like, you got to pitch better. Okay, dad. And then like that. Now he went 11 and one and he's like Cy Young out there now and stuff. I'm like, oh, okay. So, so Mucina six out of the last seven starts, he gave a one run or less. Oh yeah. I had that written down yeah, too. So that's, he, he was coming in hot too. So this was, everybody knew this was going to be a great pitching duel. Let me ask you though, uh, going about Mike Mucina. Because he was always a, he got into the Hall of Fame, uh, was that 2018 or 2019? But he was up for a while, was constant debate about him. And probably to me, got more attention in that like run. Like, should he be a Hall of Famer or not? And he did throughout his whole career. Like, Mike Mussina was really like an under kind of the. He was a low radar guy. I mean, but also, you got to look up, look at who he was going up against. You know, you had the guys in Atlanta, right? Maddox, Glavin, right. Smoltz. Then you had Pedro. I love Pedro. Pedro's my favorite yeah. of all those guys. You got Randy Johnson, you know, and then you got you can throw in there Kurt Schilling if you want. Like, I don't know that's your guy. But <laughs> he he was always not true. No, definitely. Um he was always like third or fourth compared to those guys. You know what I mean? Year in and year out. Some year he had some down years, but for the most part, he was there top five in the ERA for the most part. Like wins, he was always 12, 15, around that area. Some, especially when he got with the Yankees, that, that bumped up a little more, too. He only won 20 games once. In his last his year. His last year, which is crazy. Yeah. Never happens. That's It's just... Um, he was super consistent. You know but what I'm that's saying? the thing, though, man. Is it is it's the Hall of Fame? It's weird. That's where like numbers. We talked about it. You and John, you know, were get off my lawn kind of sounding hey. a little bit. But let's be you know let's be honest. Without like breaking down the numbers, might be seen as like the eye test says like no. Says so good because he's not a Hall of Famer. There we go. Okay, <laughs> I don't know. he's the Eli Manning of of baseball. That's an insult just, to Mike Mussina. It is, yeah. But it, but it, he just has to. There has to be somebody, and like they picked uh, him. See, to me, Mike Mussina, I respect the debate. Eli Manning, to me, there's no debate. Is he a Hall yeah, of Famer? No, no, we're not talking about Eli. Manning. No, no. But no, I I think he is. You know, because again, like I get he wasn't the best. At, you know, for a long stretch there, right? That, <laughs> he just said it out. I get that he's the best. <laughs> But again, look who he's going against. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fault him for coming in third place to Pedro and Randy Johnson. Like, you're right. talking about two all-time greats. He was just top four for like 20 years in a row. Like, you got to give guys like that credit as well. Like, absolutely. I don't know. Like, you, that's just my opinion. Why, why I say I, I, I agree with Jose John is like, uh, you got to bump him in that. In that era, which is the steroid era, and a lot of things, and he was consistent. And if you look at some people say it's top five, top ten, depends on. But if you look at the top ten pitchers of the like the nineties, uh, most lists you're going to have to have Mike Mussina on there. Like some base, but I think you you look at the top ten. He's not a top five guy, but I think top ten of that decade, like Mike Mussina hits it, and he was good throughout the two thousands too. He's close to a five. You know, he's a six and a half, seven ish. Like he had some good years. You know, and then the years that he didn't have. I'm not look. I'm not selling Mike Mussina to anybody, but. Like the couple years that he did have in Baltimore, where were kind of terrible. There were some shitty teams on Baltimore. Yeah. Like the, that end of that run, that Kyle Ripken run, the '97, '98 seasons, they were terrible. And you know he got with the Yankees, had a couple decent seasons. He had the one subpar season, but then again, he won 20 games with them. Like and a great game today. This game, you know, I said today, but this game here, like I don't know. He's just he was he was super consistent, and I think you got to give some of those guys. A lot I, of do, that credit. I, I I think. 
it's okay to give him in. Like, um, and I think I'll be honest, like that's where sometimes the analytic, the numbers can help you because I never would have said Mike Messina wasn't good. He was a really good pitcher, but when you break it down and you're like, wow, it was for that long and it was a consistency. You knew what you got from him and not always having that great run support, you know, in Baltimore and stuff like that. It, it made sense for him to go in. So I, 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 I see that. And you're right. It's not, there's tears to it. He's on a, nowhere near the tier of a, I, I don't think he's on the tier of a John Smoltz and, or Glavin. And I think all the big three in Atlanta, I wouldn't put him there. But as a starter, him and Smoltz, that, his numbers are better. But obviously, what puts Smoltz over is the reliever stuff. Smoltz could do it all. And Smoltz yeah. was a gamer. Uh, he was in postseason. He was yeah. amazing. So, so that, that's why. You know. Has he ever finished once in the Cy Young voting a bunk, um, like in the top three? I, I yeah, I think he did. Yeah. yeah, he did. He, he did. did more than once or just yeah. once. More, more uh, than I once. believe more than once. Yeah, okay. he was second the one year I think to Pedro. I believe. Don't quote me on that, but he was second one year. But yeah, he because he didn't. He won twenty games once, but he had a couple years with 19. He, yeah, in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he won one, I know for sure, one season. I, and I'm looking at a comparison with him and Pedro. I'm not comparing the two. Please. Because Pedro's my guy. I love Pedro Martinez, but like, I mean, ERA, Pedro's like a below subpar three. Like, that's that's amazing. I love Pedro. But, you know, Mustina's got a lot more wins than Pedro. Pedro's at 219. Mustina's at 270. So it's like... Helps when you're on the Yankees. Well, <laughs> Pedro was also on the Red Sox. So it's like, you know, we can, I mean, again, I'm Pedro to me is a light. He's a much better pitcher than Mucina. Yeah. But again, if you want to just throw numbers out there and kind of like, that's what they do. You know, a lot of things, what, what, what hurts Mucina too, he never won a World Series, like never won a Cy Young. It, I mean, that's, that's important too to get in the Hall of Fame. But again, like, I think what they did with Mucina was just look at who he was going up against. And is that right or wrong? I don't know. But, you know, because no, no pitcher now is going to win 300 games. Like, that's over with. Right. Like, I agree. And he's at 270. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. He stays in Baltimore his entire career. Is he in the Hall of Fame? Probably not. Same numbers. Probably. Same numbers. Is just, that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. I think the Yankee thing. Yeah. Well, help up. Out. Yeah. A couple, couple notches. I don't think I think he should still be in there. I just I think agree. it's a it's a popularity contest a lot of times too. To be honest with the Hall of Fame, to and be if you, and if you look at his postseason numbers, they're not like you know what I'm saying. Like they're not lights out, and so well because I want to you know we look at Game Three, you know, O one ALDS, and it's a pitcher oh, match. Yeah. It, it's a duel with uh, two of the best in the game at that time. You know, Barry Zito would win the Cy Young the next year, and a lot of yep. people look at what happened. You know. I think it was 06, he signed with the Giants, you know, across the bay and it, a big contract and he flamed out. But we for, people forget how just a hell of a pitcher Barry Zito was. And looked like he looked like he could be a pitcher like, oh, maybe in Cooperstown one day, Barry Zito. Like people were saying that for a while when he was in Oakland. It didn't happen. And he was a disappointment with the Giants. Yeah. But let's not knock like at this point in the early 2000s, Barry Zito was a potential like superstar pitcher for the A's all three of those guys were yeah. were great pitchers man but Zito maybe would have was the one with like the most potential people would look at yeah his stuff was nasty oh. man. like coming from that left side like with that big curveball his stuff was definitely nasty and that's the thing for me like looking at a pitcher like that he wasn't like overpowering so for me he's going to pitch a long time man he's going to get a lot of dudes out and 
I don't know. That money must have got to him or something. Something. Uh, something. His dad didn't give him another <laughs> another pep talk. You know, when he got to the Giants, he missed that. He missed that pep talk or something. I don't know. Yeah, but sure. but I look at it, and both pitchers, you know, pitch great games. Oh yeah. But I look at. I'm not going to lie, and this will this will connect to what happens with that classic play. You seen it pitch very well. Hell of a game. Not knocking him, but it wasn't that dominating kind of. The A's kind of. He has some. Messina has some lucky breaks. There's some close calls that were like fair or foul, and it seemed like more than like on the other end with Barry Zito, where to me, besides that Posada home run in the fifth, like he's more in control in my opinion. He gave up two hits. Yeah, like he was. He was to me lights out more than Messina yeah. was like that. Like workman, you know, double play kind of, which he pitched well. I'm not knocking it, but I I look at that like the A's kind of. He got. I don't know if you could say Mucina got lucky or the A's kind of left some runs up there because they see, seemed like you could have gotten to Mucina sometimes in this game. Yeah, I think it was like the fourth inning. They were knocking him around. Like I, I can't remember who was on base, but it was a couple of real good shots. I think Tejada hit a good shot. He he barely he thought he hit a home run. Yeah, and it was like a long fly ball. And I think Giambi hit a good shot. It, it was that especially that fourth inning. I felt like every time that top of the lineup came. The A's had something going on, and they just kind of never got to. They never like put it all together. You know what I mean? But I, yeah, I, I agree. I think with Zito, it was like a constant. Like he was shutting them down. He made one mistake, and that's all it took. And the thing is, he made a mistake to Posada the year before the playoffs. Yeah, he Posada hit that double. Yeah. So Jorge just kind of had he yeah. had Zito's number in the postseason. In the postseason, because the regular season he had terrible numbers against yeah. Zito, but. Those two years, he, he it was just those two pitches, and that's all it takes. And that's the greatness of those those players of that team. Yeah, was that when they needed it, you knew someone was stepping up, and not just. And that's why I'm not here to knock Jeter. Jeter's a great player, but not like just Jeter, who was so clutch. But it was a Scott Brocious, a yeah. Chuck Knobloch, you know, with that sliding cat. Is so many guys just made big plays throughout, you know, that that era. Even you know Spencer could get some big hits at times, you know. We'll talk about him later on the other yeah, end, yeah, but yeah. but like just like that's what made that team so special. And, and coming into this game, like the A's were were really dominating this series. Like it, this, that's why this play that we're going to bring up is so important. Like because uh, coming into this game, they were like the, the Yankees hadn't had the lead yet. This is Game Three, you know. Like you talked about Paul O'Neill, Burnley Williams, they were struggling big time. Like these A's pitchers were really dominating. And, and that's why it was like this, what happened later on in this game was such a big deal, such a momentum changer for the whole entire series that there was no way this Yankee team should have won this series. Absolutely not. No, no, absolutely. And you look, you know, Posada gets that home run in the in the fifth. It's one nothing, And we let's get to that play, you know. So you have to look at it. And Jeremy Giambi gets on base. And now to me, right there, it's the seventh inning. And now we have to start. Let's really break it down. Yeah. Talk to me. We look at it first, the skipper, Art Howe. Yeah. What should he have done there? Because Jeremy Giam, it was said we no offense. There's no body shaming on this show. You, Absolutely not. But you can look we at it or not. <laughs> yeah, right. But we can look at Jeremy, no, he he's not someone you think is gonna be fast. And they, and they said that he's not a not a fast runner. Do you look at Art Howe and say, why not put in MLB Network's own Eric Byrne? You got to pinch run for 
geometry. You you just have to. In seventh inning, you have to. And I understand you want to keep that bat in the lineup. He gets on base. We get all that, but you got to pinch run from for this occasion. Like just just exactly what happened. This is the reason why you have to do these things. And they did not. And now, either way, he should have been out, right? Like it, we'll we'll get into the play a little deeper, but. If Spencer hits the cutoff, he's out by 10 feet, you know, like, so it's, I think if you have somebody in there who can run, that plays a much, much closer play. So I think I agree with you, though. I think Eric Burns should have been put in just so someone who could generate something. Something, man. Yeah, like, which you knew. All right. All right. I'll step in here. There is no way either of you two have the balls to take out Jeremy Giambi in the seventh inning of a playoff game. Oh, yeah, I do. I'm taking him out. There is no way. And no one really at the time said take him out because that's a smart move. You're in the seventh inning. I'm taking him out. Uh, Our how got ridiculed pretty good for that. He still (laughs) is to this day. Really? Yeah. Man, I didn't. I didn't think that at the time at all. Even the play, play or no play, like you're not taking one of your best bats out of the lineup with two innings still to go because he's going to come up again for an opportunity to go. Do, like I don't know. I don't think Art Art Howe was wrong at all. I I think so because also you know who's coming up yeah. out of that bullpen soon. So this <laughs> is the time you got to get a run right now yeah. because you know that's all Mister Rivera needs. Right. I misremembered. They're down. In this yeah. game, right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I thought, they were, I thought it was tied for some No, no, no. They're down one nothing. So all you need is that the one run, you're, you're pretty good with with uh, the it's Sandman. It's a wrap. So uh, you need to get something to generate a run any way you can. Yeah. Now we got to look at it. Uh, Terrence Long gets that hit. For future skipper of Texas Rangers, Ooh. Ron Washington, the third base coach, just waving. Yeah. Jeremy Giambi, just wave at him. I know it's two outs, it's bottom of seventh. Do you blame him at all, Jose? He's got parts. He got a part in it. Too. Oh, his there's blood on his hands. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because you got to know who's running. I agree. Like, you got. I get it's two outs, and you're trying to manufacture that one crucial run that you haven't had even close. And and I get it. Like because they weren't even close to scoring in this game, and this this was the opportunity, and he went for it. I totally understand it, but with that runner. You just you can't send him. You know you cannot send him. And even look, it was still a close play. But if it was anybody else, okay, I, I can understand. But this is possibly the slowest guy on your team. Like yeah, like arguably the slowest team, slowest guy on your team. And you just you got to know you got to know the personnel. And not that he didn't, but at that moment, I don't know what happened. You can't send him. I I say especially because, and we'll get to the throw with Spencer. But like he launched it. Oh, yeah. So to me, yeah, you got to be paying attention to that as well. And to me, I'll take my chances with men on the corners. I know it's two outs, but. It's a tough call. It's a tough call. I know you're trying to, you know, but I, I'm. You got like you said, I agree. You got to know your runners because if you have Eric Byrne. I'm signing him. Uh, and Ron Washington, to me, has no blame then. All right, you brought this guy in. That's like when the Red Sox in the future bring in like a Dave Roberts or something. Yeah. Like, all right, that's your job. That's what you're here for to go. So I get it then. But with with Jeremy Giambi, I might say hold the brakes here. Let's And we have a good offense. I know. And they're hitting me. They are. They're not generating. Like, Mucina did pitch well, but they aren't. They're hitting them hard a They're bit. getting contact you know it's not like he's just blowing by everybody and it's like we ain't even hitting the ball they are getting some contact certain guys are taking it to me seen it jeremy giambi one of them terrence long was one of them so i 
I agree. I think Ron Washington. Yeah, it, it's a tough call for sure. Like I said, because they weren't doing anything the whole game. Yeah, they were getting a couple shots on you seen it, but they were being caught. So it's like you can't bank on this next guy going to get a hit, and he's trying to generate something. But now we can get into now the flip side. Yeah, the Yankees here. What is Shane Spencer doing? I don't know. Like <laughs> the one thing you're taught as an outfielder, man, is hit that cutoff, and it's not like he was. It's not like it was a line drive between first and second, and he's charging it, and he's got to play at the plate. He was pro- close to the warning track, mm-hmm. and he just launches this thing, and it's not even close. Because at first, I, I thought, then did Tino like purposely let it go? No, it was like six feet and over his head. It, it was just a terrible, terrible throw. It's almost like, I know this probably isn't the case, but when I watched it then and I watched it back getting ready for the show, I'm like, was he kind of like not paying attention? The ball kind of got hit and he just like panicked and did something? Because it's like, there's certain things I try to always say, I'm not in their shoes as a coach, as a player, as a GM. But there are some times when in sports people make mistakes where I'm like, now that's that's common sense that the the casual fan knows what to do here. And that's from Little League. Yeah, exactly. Like to hit the cutoff. And like, it's not like you said, it's not like it was, it's like he thought I can make like a hey, like Doug Flutie or something. Like I can make it to Jorge or something. Like he was trying to be the hero. That's what, I, that's what it kind of felt like. Yeah. That's a good way to say it. Like maybe he thought I can hit it. And it's like, what the hell? Hell no, you can't do that. Because <laughs> if he makes the throw and he's out, then it's an all time great throw. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? But. If he makes that throw, that's better than the Bo Jackson throwing out Harold Reynolds at the Kingdome, that uh, legendary uh, throw. Let's 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 just take her easy there. I'm saying if Shane Spencer <laughs> yeah, gets it to Jorge that, in the playoffs to stop that run in the playoffs. Uh, in the moment, you're right. You're probably right. You know what I mean? Like that's there's more at stake there. I think Bo's throw well, probably yeah, it's more at stake, but we're I don't I got it. I get what you're It's about. a pretty big saying. that's we're talking about that throw. That's pretty epic. Yeah. That's pretty epic. Like, to save the dynasty? No, I get it. Don't get me wrong. Because look on the other side, the flip, pun intended. We're still talking about that shit. Yeah. I mean, it's a great play, but... Because of Shane's hero ball. (laughs) That's why. Where would Derek Jeter be if Shane Spencer didn't think he was Doug Flutie for a second, tried to Hail Mary that shit? Because even Jeter said, if Spencer hits the cutoff, again, Giambi's out by 10 feet. Like, it's it's not even close. Like, what made it close was the bounce. The grab, the, sh- the shuffle, mm-hmm. and that's what made it close. But he was out by a mile. So that's why, again, going back to Ron Washington, like, come on, man. Like, this this play wasn't even a close play. I don't know why you're sending him. Oh, yeah. I'll be honest. If um, if he hits the cutoff, man, it's not right, and it shouldn't be the case. I don't know if Ron Washington ever gets a job with Texas because it's, like, that bad of a play. It's yeah. like, what are True. you doing? Like, it's really bad to me. It's like, that might have cost you a, a, a skipper job down yeah. the line. Like, yeah. it'd be like, ugh. No, I, I agree. It, it would have been that bad. But the overthrow kind of saved his ass a little bit. And then the flip happens. And we got to talk about it. You know, Jeter, at, at this point, he he's a star. He's star in the league. Um, and he's had – he's two – like you, Jose had mentioned at the beginning of the show, 2000 World Series MVP. We had seen his clutch ability. We had seen it coming. You know, this – we could say even this whole postseason because of what happens in the World Series too. But I feel like this really kind of cemented that clutch yeah. legacy with him, with this this play. And it's funny to me because I don't know what you got like doing research, but he made it sound 
like in here the Yankees, like that's just what you do. Mm-hmm. But the A's and a lot of like other people who baseball like big act like that's crazy. Like like at that time they were like, what? Like where did he come from? Like what's going yeah. on? So it's kind of like, uh, well, they practice this. Like the Yankees practice this. Yeah. So the purpose of Jeter being there is to, uh, like a third cutoff. And when he if he gets the ball, his job was to go to third and get the, the runner going to third. But his instincts kind of had him do the shovel pass, whatever. But that that that's practice. I, I remember uh, Harold Baines, MLB Network, broke it down with Jeter. Mm-hmm. And they were showing it. And then the next year, the, the Yankees were playing the Twins. Same thing happened. Jeter was at the same exact spot. Like, he, Harold Baines did a great job, like, breaking it down and stuff. But That's a good clip. Yeah, and Jeter said it there. He was like, we practiced this. Like, this is something not new. I'm there, third cutoff, to go to third base. But it seems – and. And you're right, like they they did, but it seems like, and maybe that's those are some of the things that put them over the edge because it's yeah. not like it wasn't something that other MLB guys were like, oh yeah, that's no. They were kind of blown away by that play too, so it kind of showed like the veteran leadership of those players yeah. of you know Don Zimmer and and you know well that's where it came from as yeah. well because Don Zimmer was a shortstop and second baseman, he's the one that kind of implemented it, so it, it was all around like just great coaching. You know, a great player doing what he's supposed to do. It's just, it, again, it goes back to the greatness of this team and just the all-around greatness, not just one or two individual home run hitters or whatever. No, and that that because it's a great play. It's 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 one of the most phenomenal plays I've seen. Yeah, and not just in baseball. Yeah, no, it's an amazing play, and for the circumstances, mm-hmm. like, you know, he saves that run. They win one nothing. Like it's just he, and. And again, going back to it, because I still I want to continue with this play real quick on the oh, other sure. side. Oh, for sure. You know, but well, we're not done. <laughs> yeah. So it's like they win this game. You know, the series is two to one, and they win this series. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so it just we've talked about momentum off the air and how big momentum is, and how kind of people think it's fake and all that. But this play here just changed the momentum of the whole series, not just whole game, because you can even hear the crowd. The crowd is going nuts, and A's got some great fans. Mm-hmm. Crowd is going nuts. He makes this play that just goes, the whole the whole stadium just shuts up. It's it just unreal. That's awesome. It was unreal. It is. It's um, it it's one of the best plays I've seen. Like to me, it's not a play that I'm like, oh, they show it again. It deserves the attention that yeah. it's gotten these past twenty years, like and then some. It's that great of a play, and it's like I said earlier, I love that it's not it's not you can't put that really in a stat sheet like it's beyond yeah, that yeah. it's way beyond that because i believe and that's like the difference he's not better than a rod it's a shortstop a rod's not making that play at whatever oh, peak a no. rod no he's not doing that no and that's the thing like yeah you can coach it and you can go through it as a team but in that situation where everything going on with the stakes that are, are about to be like laid out for you to have the sense of like awareness to go and run. And it's just, again, they just, I know he's not the greatest shortstop of all time, but it's just all those intangibles. He has them all. And that's what you want in a player. To me, there's only, maybe there's more. I thought when I think about this and like getting ready for the show, I compared it to one play and it's not even in this sport. I think about 87 conference finals when Bear steals the ball, which is a crazy presence of mind play. And then yeah. DJ, I think of Jeter and Posada, you know, Posada being ready too to make that tag. Yep. DJ with the presence of mind to cut and Bird finds him to get that layup. Like both plays like it takes. And to me, I look at this play with Jeter and then Jorge was ready to come and make that 
tough tag. It wasn't an easy tag either. No, not at all. Not at all. He had to come and sweep it, and he went, and you can see he didn't even have full control. Mm-hmm. It was, and you see how pumped he was when that play was over because he knew it was like this dude did something amazing, <laughs> like, and I'm a part of it. So yeah. let's go. And he saved the run, and again, he probably and he did save the game. Save the game. Save the dynasty. Yep. Yeah, they're they're swept. Oh yeah, the, you know. Yeah. So let me ask you this, Jeremy, because um, we've talked off the air about this, and then it's an amazing play, right. like Jeter, super heads up play. But was Giambi not sliding an all time quote unquote dumb play? Not to me, it's not. No, honestly, because of all these other factors that we're going through, breaking down, including the fact that there is still debate to this day from people. And you look at multiple angles. Oh, yeah. It's close. You don't know if Giambi is safe or not. Like if he was, you know. So to me, I don't look at it as a gaffe. He's, you're putting someone in a position. I look at it in sports, look at it in real life with jobs. Put people in the right positions to, to do great things. You have him in a position that he's not used to. He get like you. We've been saying from you know Brad Pitt and Moneyball about Jeremy Giambi. He gets on base. Yep. That's what he does. He's not a he's not a base runner. So you have him in an awkward position. A you put him in that spot, and then B you're waving him along, waving him along, and also the way that throw went by Shane Spencer. You know, you're kind of like, I don't know, where's this going? But also to me, it, it wasn't natural for him. He said like it was just more. He was taught like. Better chance to like run it in than the slide. So to me, um, and it was that close of a play where you can break it down and you don't even know if if it's like by a mile maybe or something. I don't maybe who cares? But like I don't. He's gotten more like gaff for this than I even really realized. That people really like knocked Jeremy Giambi all these years for not sliding. And to me, there's so many factors in there that like I don't really knock him. As much for me. I'm not saying that not sliding was the right decision. I don't think he should be like harshly criticized for it because you can make a case he still was safe anyway. I hear that. You know what I mean? But yeah. to me, it's he has to slide there. Not only, and you're talking about being put in the position, like I felt like Ron Washington put him in that position, like wave them around, let's go, like get in there. And not only was Ron Washington waving them in, but the batter on deck was telling him to slide. You know what I mean? And and that's what you're looking at. You're not no longer looking at the third base coach. You're looking at whoever's on deck and whatever they're telling you to do. That's what you should be doing. So I, I think he, he he goofed up, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he you have to slide. If he slides, he's safe. Like, if if he slides, there's no mistake. Like, you know what I mean? This play is it's a good play, but we're forgetting about it because whatever's going to happen in the ninth inning or the tenth or whatever. I, I, I don't think you're wrong. Like, I think, like, a slide is, is helpful. I just think there's so many things that factor into it that's like because if, out of out of position that like he shouldn't have been there. Ron Washington weighed them around like that doesn't mean like slide. And honestly, who knows if Jeremy Jambi's focused on that or he's focused on Jorge. Well, he's wrong for doing that. If, <laughs> that's what I'm just saying. And Jorge did a good job. He didn't sell it either. No. No, so that's a, a that's job. a great job by Jorge not selling like what's going on. So if he's focusing on Jorge, like I I, I don't I I really for me I hear you, what you're saying. I don't knock him. Like I don't I don't think it's like something that I go like if I'm an A's fan. Twenty years later, I'm like if he just would have slid. I look at Art Howe. I look at Ron Wash. I look at those two guys more than I do him. For me, and I just I say that 
because if he hits the cutoff, man, like I like we said, like he's gone by a mile. So it's you got to know though. that. Yeah, I think either way, he's if, the, if Shane Spencer isn't trying to be Doug Flutie, like <laughs> then then I think Jeremy John be screwed either. I don't think a, I think a slide makes it look oh, not no, as he, ugly. He's, he's definitely out. If he slides, you know? he does a cartwheel. He's out. That's what right? I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think it helps him. Like. He shouldn't have been in that position. And that's what, as a coach, and that's what manager is, you put your players in the best position to succeed for your team to win. And I look at Art Howe. He did not – I think yeah. you got to put Eric Byrne in there. Yeah, I agree with that. But, again, like, you got to be aggressive as, as well. And, again, we've talked about it. We just talked about it. It was two outs. They weren't generating shit, you know, and Ron Washington was just going for it. So, if he does – if he holds them up, and whoever, I forget who's up next, strikes out. Then it's like, okay, like, what are we doing? You know what I mean? Like, then we're not playing aggressive. We should have sent him. Like, there's arguments both sides. Don't get me wrong. Like, we can be here doing this forever. Yeah. But um, I, I just think that if he slides, it's, it's so it's, so it's he's safe. Like, that's well, it. It's a good chance he was safe anyway. Yeah, but. You look at the angles, I know, man. I know. I've seen it. i I, I seen it. And I think, honestly, and I always was taught, Ty goes to the runner. But I think also, and Steve Lyons, as much as I was talking shit about him, did a good job in talking about this. Like that, when he he was like, "Look, if he since he was since the ball beat him, like I'm calling him out too since he didn't slide, you know." And I was like, "You know what? He's right about that." It was you know an interesting I mean? point, yeah. So it's it's all about perception too, and especially in baseball, like I, yeah. And that time, there's no replay. Exactly. So I, I don't. I think you're like. Does it get overturned? I thought I was about to ask too. Like that, that would have been a tough one. You said, "Does it get overturned?" Yeah, I don't think so because of the magnitude of that. But it, it would, they would have been there ten minutes looking at that. I don't know. I think it, it might. They didn't have the angles like they do in like twenty twenty one in two thousand one. It's yeah. a pretty good angle though. It's good. It's right down the line, isn't it? If I remember correctly, it, literally three feet away from them. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it, it's I'm just saying like breaking it I mean like with the replay breaking it down no I got you you know yeah it was it, it would have been interesting because what you said not too long ago he didn't really have full possession of the ball too at that point true and so like snow coned it I he absolutely that. I did love that term. he did he did and I I love Jorge and he he made a great play yeah but um and I don't, I don't knock I'm not like oh like I don't knock the call out it's boom boom like that yeah. it's that close and but I, I, I just think it's uh, one of the best plays for me that with my two eyes, because we can go back in history. So I don't know, like a ranking, like I'm not off the top of it, but one of the best plays in sports I've ever seen was, was that flip. Yeah, especially the magnitude of it, man. And like for me, the problem is it, I don't want to take away from Jeter because geometry didn't slide. You know what I mean? Like, for and sure. I like, and I felt like that's, that's, that's happened. You know, like it's taken away from Jeter's greatness. Because this dude didn't feel like slot. I don't know, but yeah, it, it was still. I give it. I give Jeter tons of credit. And part of me is with you on that. I I I don't look at it. It's not a such a bad goof on Gian. Do you make a mistake? I will agree with you. Like he didn't make the best decision. There's a better decision. <laughs> I like I how you said that. It, like it's not a the biggest goof though, to me. Otherwise, than a a phenomenal player by someone. And sometimes you got to give credit to. He made a great play. Yeah. I think Jeremy Giambi has said that years later. Like, he, he made a great play. So this doesn't end the game, though. No. This isn't the bottom but of the But let's be real. In hindsight, it ended the game in the series. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, sure. it, it was done. They were done after that play. Yeah. 
They had to still have it a chance. It doesn't, though. but it does. <laughs> and then he was up the bat, and he had an opportunity to. He to, did. To, he could have, according to Jose and John, right his wrong. But we know who he's going against, too. Yeah, Jermaine Dye had a beautiful double. Mm-hmm. That was a beautiful hit, too, man. Inside out of that, right to right center field. Got on second. It was all laid out. You had Chavez up next. He had a terrible at bat. And then your boy Giambi's up. Man, I got to tell you, I don't know if you guys said that during, like, who do you thought was going to be the guy out of that? Chavi was my guy out of this group that I thought that's a good young man. enough. Yeah, he, he was, was good. good. He's he going to, and then, you know, what do he have? Didn't he have, like, a couple of 25 and 30 home, oh, home yeah. runs? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he was good. Consistent 25 30 guy. Uh, Obviously, Billy Bean start, started to tell him to stop stealing bases and all that stuff. Yeah. Too, but, like, I don't know. I thought Javi was going to be the bee's knees. And unfortunately, he was just the knees. Yeah. And he was a great defender. Mm-hmm. Like, he can play. He, he had a nice glove. He was he was a great player, too. Yeah. So they, they were stacked. This team was stacked, man. We didn't even talk about Chavez. Like, no, no. And, and he was a great player, a great young player. There, there's a lot with this team. And it's, um, and that's what I'm saying. Like, you, if Chavi hits. A little further, like any any yeah. any little part of this series, it's so crazy how the A's probably should have won this thing. In so many ways. Yeah. The A's blew it. Yeah. I look absolutely. at it like I don't think the Yankees won it. You know, Jeter made a great play as much as the A's blew it because the A's just matched up with them and were dominating them. I mean, I think they were like the Yankees were trailing them like 70 something consecutive innings. Like they were like they. Yeah, it was, they were dominating. Them. Like they they had their number. But I think. um it was over when that flip happened. And I remember as a young man then saying, watching that game and like they blew it because you don't give. And that's what I say about it. We talked about the 90s Bulls as that lights out kind of a team. The Yankees in the 90s and the early 2000s were like that in baseball. Like yeah. you give them any kind of breathing room, you will lose. And that play I knew right then. I'm like, the A's blew it. Yeah. You gave them a chance. Because not only were they up 2-0, but they they were in they went to New York and beat the Yankees both games in New York. Mm-hmm. And then now you're like, all right, they got home field advantage. This is over. Like they were, I think the Yankees were the first team ever to come back from a 2-0 deficit when losing the first two yeah. games at home. Yeah. Like that's the in the best of five series. Like that's that's even crazier, you know, to think about. But again, certain teams you cannot make mistakes against. You know, and I this was one of those teams, and they made a big-time mistake, and it cost them. It cost them the series. Well, let's, you know, they lost this game. Giambi didn't get the, you know, Mariano Revere did what he does better than anybody in the history of the game. He closes out games, and he did that in game three. So it's a one nothing Yankees win in game three. Great game. Great game. I want to ask you something about Mariano Rivera. Because mm-hmm. to me, he doesn't get that Yankee hate. You know what I mean? Like, there's no. some people who— Really like Jeter or hate Jeter. You know what I mean? Like, there's, it, I mean, there's some in between. I'm like an in between Jeter guy. Like, he's, I, I'm, I'm the same way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't love him. I don't hate him. He's just, you know, he's a great player. He's a great player. But Rivera, he gets, I, I don't, I've never heard anybody say a bad thing about Rivera. No. Like, fans, nobody. I don't know. It's just, it might be just me, but I, I was just always wondering that. Like, why do you think that it is? Like, I think because um, he's not a talker. He he. From what I hear, he's a not. Obviously, I can't speak personally, but yeah. like nice guy, nice attitude. Never tried to show up an opponent. I think that's a big you part know. Of it too. And I think there was just there was no doubt about it. Like there's a certain time. Like once you get to like, I want to say by the time like ninety eight comes around, 
he's the best. And yeah. it's one of those things, it's that like Jerry Rice thing where it's like you're you're not arguing who's number one. It's like, well, who's two through five? Like we yeah. know who one is. And I think people just gave respect to that. Like he just did it the right did it the right way. And he didn't have that um I think the only knock on Jeter, and I think Jeter kind of had that too, to an extent. Not like Rivera, but a lot of people, especially when Jeter was retiring, the like retirement, like send off, yeah, like that was a bit much. Yeah, but like it, people like Jeter, but like not like I think Jeter had that like guys don't like him because like the girls love him. Rivera didn't have that. He just went in there and just dominated, and then you didn't hear from him. Yeah, and that was it. And I think people had to like it's like what can you really say about Mariano Rivera? Like yeah. uh, how can you don't like him because he's nice. You don't like him because he's great at his job. Like you don't nothing really to say. Like even like a Yankee, like he didn't. He's not an everyday guy. Yeah, exactly. So you're only seeing him for like the clothes. So like if you do your job, you can't even knock him. If you do your job, you don't have to see Rivera. If your team gets that, you know, get ahead. But like you don't. It's almost like we earned this. Here comes Mo. It's over. Mm-hmm. It's over. And and I feel like there's certain. Like, there's greatness, and then there's, like, okay, this game's over, greatness. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's like Jordan at the free throw with two seconds left. Mm-hmm. One. This game's over. Like, he's hitting both free throws. Like, you know, Elway when the comeback drives. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's certain, certain players that, you know, it's just this game. And he when he came in, even if it was the eighth in it, and that's what I love even more. Like, he wasn't just, like, a three-out guy. He would mm-hmm. come in the eighth, get six outs, and you knew once he was in the game, it was it was all she wrote. Lights out, six outs too. By the yeah. way, like oh, yeah. like, but also I'll say this. I think what adds to it is um, you had to love him coming in the game at Yankee Stadium, Metallica, Enter Sandman, and I went to a few Yankee games back in this heyday. I went up to the old Yankee Stadium, and it was awesome to see. Only they lost most of those. I went three times, three years in a row. They won the one, so I got to see it live when he came out and that song played. And the yeah. it, it was awesome. Like and like, so I think that also kind of not the main thing, but low key, like you kind of knew like, that was pretty cool to see. Like when that was happening. Yeah, and just think about this: in '96, he was a setup guy, mm-hmm. and then you have Wetland coming in the ninth. And I'm not saying Wetland was better at the time; he was, but is that one-two punch, man? Whew. That was nasty. It was something else. Because Wetland was coming in, throwing ninety six before guys were really doing that. It was just this. This this was a dynasty, man. Yeah, absolutely. You got to give credit to 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 Stick, rest in peace, Gene Michael, who put this team together when George Steinbrenner was banned and actually let this team develop and didn't you know, unlike Steinbrenner who would trade a lot of young yeah, talent. Yeah. We don't, you know, Bernie, that's why, I, and I think Bernie Williams needs more credit because he was the first. Yep. And I think a lot of times they, they point to it and say, if George is here, this young up-and-coming prospect is going to get dealt for some old veteran. But then letting Bernie develop and seeing how good Bernie, especially like 93, 94, 95, before Jeter's fully up there, yeah. before Posada, they're on the bench watching, Bernie has emerged and they're like, all right, let these guys develop here. Let's not mess with it. And I think so. That's why, to me, it should be the core five, not the core four, because you don't have a core four without Bernie Williams. Absolutely not. And, again, all four, all those guys had one thing in common. None of them were super flashy. None of them were, like, you know, in-your-face trash talkers. None of them, Bernie, none of them. Like, Posada wasn't either. And it was just, I think that's why in New York they're just, like, loved. You know what I mean? And, and and I can see why other fans who are not Yankee fans can 
can jump on this bandwagon for these couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because these the type of players they were. So no, it's great, I, great, great, great run here. And I give the Yankees, I think, better than any franchise in sports, in my opinion, honors their past. Yeah, better than anyone. And I think that's one thing I'll say that I don't feel nationally because I think just like whatever reason, like people upset with the steroid era or the analytics, baseball kind of gets pushed away by some people. I think this team should overcome that and still be in the lore. But I feel like it's been cool over these years to say, to see this dynasty and they have like Jorge Posada Day. Mariano Rivera Day, Paul O'Neill, and like being like, yeah, I watched all these guys, like, especially like the core five. Like, I remember seeing them rise up and yeah. like start and like get that due. Like, this was one of the all time great teams in, in my lifetime that I've ever seen in any sport. This is a great dynasty and they don't get the, enough respect for as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And you want to talk about, and I don't want to make this like a Yankees love fest, but uh, this is a team that's worth it though. I agree. I agree. But the Rivera's last season, like that kind of like go off and you know that that was pretty cool and then that, his last appearance when Jeter and Pettit came out and he started he broke down that's the only time really you saw that emotion out of him he was always like you know just focused laser focus and and getting these guys yeah. out and it, I, that was that was a good moment that was I a cool think moment. so I think so and we got to look at the A's and on the flip side and what this has like led to you know that next year yep. Giambi's gone. Damon's gone. You know. Teams are looking at that line of like, yeah. mm, who can I get? And it's interesting. There's a lot of there's a lot of Moneyball love. I think the movie, the book and movie are very yeah. awesome. Like I read the book and the movie I think is really good. But. I didn't read the book. I saw the movie like six times. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of like evens out. But on the, the, on the critiques that a lot of people have, they both do the same thing. Um, if you watch the movie, we'll keep it just to the movie for those maybe who didn't read the book because it's in the same thing there. You act like the O2 A's the next year who had that 20 game win streak and yeah. win a hundred and something games again and get win the division title that they are just a bunch of scrubs. They're not. And they're not. They, they don't mention Miguel Tejada wins the MVP the next year. As John and Jose are talking about with Chavez, Chavez was there. And also, the big three pitching staff is there. And those guys are not um, sabermetric. The three of them were high draft picks. You know, like they weren't the sabermetrics like, oh, like he found them in the woods. I mean, he drafted them, but like. You got to pick them, right? Yeah. So he did pick them, but they they were known prospects. So And left out of the movie completely. (laughs) Completely, completely out of the movie. It's just not going to mention, like, yeah, Isringhouse is one thing, but I mean, like, you guys were mentioned, like, Barry Zito was, that was, forget his giant stint, that was the best you have ever seen Barry Zito in his career. Yeah. yeah he Maybe won, not by the numbers, but like, you know, he was stop. Cy Young that in 02. He won the Cy, so you have the AL MVP and a Cy Young winner on the same team. Unreal. Yeah. But Scott Hattenberg is just all we yeah, talk yeah, about, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Unreal. That's all it is. Scott Hattenberg just, he did it all. I, I love Chris Pratt, did a good job playing with the movie and stuff. Great home run at Broke the end. his career, I think, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, that's, it helped. It helped. A little Parks and Rec love, too. Oh, yeah. I yeah. think that was... Was that simultaneously? Just before? I think it was simultaneously. Yeah. But, lost me there. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's misleading, but it yeah. did... They did use that to an extent to replace those guys who left, and it did change the game. For better or worse. Who knows? For better or worse. But 
they had to do what they had to do, right? Like, and, and, and it's a shame that they had to get to that. But, you know, when you got the Yankees, the Red Sox, you know, I, we can keep going with teams, like just sitting there waiting for guys to become free agents just to pluck them off your, your lineup, man. It, it's got to be tough, man. And as a fan base, to watch all these great players come in, have this great team, and next thing you know, they're having all-star seasons and other teams. It's, it's hard, man, to see that. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, they had to do it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and you're right. I agree. Like, that 02 season, they had a really good season. People people think they were a bunch of scrubs that they just sold the farm. Like, no, it wasn't the case. Jose, do you think, you look back on the A's of the early 2000s, are they a disappointment for not not at least at least getting to the World Series? I don't know if you think that's up to you, if you think they should have won it or what, but are they a disappointment? Are they underachievers or overachievers? Hmm. I don't. I don't think they uh that's tough because look what they went up against. You know what I mean? Like those those two seasons, 2000, 2001, they lost to the Yankees in the playoffs. So you know, you can say that, right? They lost to an eventual chance. Like and this Yankees team, we've mentioned it over and over again in this show. Like they were one of the best teams of all time. So I don't knock them for losing to the Yankees. Now, in this series though, they had them. You know what I mean? Like even in 2000 they were up. You know, but this series they had them, so they they underachieved. I think in this series, like in this season, because they had a great run in that second half, and they were the hottest team. Even though the Seattle was had an all time great year, people were talking about the A's, like and they were going to come and go get to the World Series. So they probably they, to me they underachieved in this series because they were up 2-0 with home field and with Zito on the mound. Like you couldn't ask for anything better, but. Overall, again, they lost two seasons out. Of, they lost those two years out to the Yankees, to the eventual champions. One of the best teams of all time. So no, I don't. I don't think they underachieved overall. Yeah, I. I don't want to say the underachieve. I think it's just disappointing. It's really close though. It's close because, O two, you lose to the Twins. Yeah, you know, which I'm like, ugh. That's the bad one. That's yeah, the bad one. and I just think like, if you get this W. And you, I think they beat Seattle. Yeah, because I think their pitching is. I think what the Yankees pitching did to Seattle the neck in the LCS. Yeah, I think the A's pitching could do the same thing. I think that Seattle team had overachieved, and I think they were kind of like running on E. Yeah, yeah, they were on fumes. Yeah, the end. so I think the A's would have gotten them. I don't know against Arizona. I'm not sure because that Schilling Johnson combo was huge, but uh, I just think like. It would have been close. It would have been tough, but they had a shot. They they would have probably against the Mariners. They weren't enough, but they would have been favorites against anyone else. So no, I agree. It would have been it would have been cool to see, especially such a young team. And again, if they win the World Series, how can you break that team up after that? It's it's one of the biggest what ifs, man, that I, I can think about in sports. So and are we talking about Moneyball that at that time? Who knows. And I missed out on a great movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's great stuff. This game had so much, man. I, I remember we talked about this off the air. You know, when we brought this up the first time, I was like, all right, Jeter flip, great play. Let's get into it. But then once we once we dove in like we do, man, it was just like, whoa, like which 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 avenue do we take here? Right. And it was a lot. So this was fun, man. Absolutely, man. And this was a fun it's a new era for in the zone with Darmy and Jose. This right. was a fun 
first episode in the studio at Last Out Media. I want to thank John. Thank you for producing our first episode Man, here. I appreciate you, appreciate you guys being here. You'll probably hear Vince Quinn's, uh, Vince Quinn's voice here a lot more, but I'll be, I'll be on by. I'm really glad that In the Zone is uh, a part of the Last Out Media crew. Absolutely. We're yeah, glad man. to be here. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Please uh, rate you know, and review on Apple or Spotify, wherever, and you can tweet us at in the zone 20201 for any uh comments concerns i know you want to say i'm right and jose's wrong but yeah. you know geometry should have slid <laughs> but hey jose man it's a new era and this is awesome man. i'm glad we're doing this together yeah exciting stuff man more to come but you know as always stay tuned well for the man the myth the legend jose ruiz i'm Dermy dove thank you guys for listening to in the zone with Dermy and jose peace <laughs>